Hello and welcome to another episode of A Catholic and a Protestant Walk Into a Bar. I'm Elijah, and I'm a Protestant. And I'm Nathaniel, and I'm a Catholic. Alright, so today, this is our Halloween podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> Last year, on our for our first episode, we talked about Reformation Day and the Reformation and all that since it takes place on October 31st. But what most of us know October 31st for is Halloween. You know, where all those idiot little kids dress up in creepy clothes and come at your door and annoy you and ask you for candy. Which... You know, apparently nowadays, nobody actually likes to give out candy. Everyone's stingy. I don't, I don't know what the, what's wrong with people. Mm-hmm. Give out toothpaste and, uh, you know, uh, grape nuts or something healthy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to have a vegan option. Sorry. <laughs> no. All right. So today we're going to be talking about Halloween. Since, you know, we're coming up on the 31st of October. Um, last year we focused on the Reformation uh, because Reformation Day is typically attributed to October 31st and all that good stuff. But what we, most people know it for is Halloween. Um, so, you know, what is Halloween? Every, you know, there's a lot of debate on whether it's a pagan holiday or it's a Christian holiday. Most people siding on the pagan holiday and really other stuff. But, you know, we're going to talk about how it's practiced and, you know, the uh, historic Christian understanding and all that. Which, you know, Nathaniel, because he's our... Catholic Church historian is going to be able to talk a lot more in depth about that than I will. So, I don't know where you come from in your walk of life. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's a certain uh, trope or maybe maybe a more appropriate word would be stereotype um, out there that, you know, Christians don't like Halloween, Um, which could be true. There might be certain groups out there that condemn Halloween for whatever reason it is. Um, You only celebrate Harvest Festival. Yeah, it's always... Halloween. Harvest Festival. Yeah, you always will have those uh, block parties at uh, certain uh, uh, organizations or churches, denominations, whatever, where, um, you know, it's a harvest festival, it's, you know, we're celebrating fall, you know, we'll still have the caramel apples and the candy and the costumes, but no Halloween because it's evil. And we'll still carve pumpkins and we still, we do everything that everyone else does except for dress creepy. Mm. And, you know, then we, we just change the name because we think that calling it Halloween is bad. Um, that's definitely part of the tradition that I grew up in. Um, and I know lots of people who who hold, hold to that belief. But, uh, like, the, one of the main reasons why people think this is because there's this mistaken understanding of uh, some Celtic practices and how it relates to the way that the church celebrated it and, you know, how it's translated to the, each church tradition and uh, denomination that branched off from the Catholic church. Um, okay. The, the Celtic religious practices didn't actually affect the church all that much. I'll, I'll just put that out there. Now it certainly affected a lot of the ways that we practice stuff here in America and then that then that went on in the world because America is heavily influenced by British culture, by Scottish culture, and by Irish culture. And that's where you get some of the practices of, you know, carving a pumpkin except they carved turnips and put lamps in those. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, in Scotland they would dress up as uh, spirits of the ancient religion and, you know, if you're dressed up like the spirit, then the spirit will leave you alone and... You know, there's, it was more done for play than for 
any seriousness. Though the Irish are pretty superstitious. So we find that. superstition in every culture. Just yeah. <laughs> but um, while while there is that, it's Halloween isn't purely it, Halloween itself. It like every holiday depends on how you're going to celebrate it. You know we. We don't celebrate the Vinalia and, and other celebrations that happened around the same time that we celebrate Christmas. Those things themselves were pagan. What we celebrate as Christmas is not. There, there are celebrations around fall throughout the world, you know, that, well, throughout the world that experiences fall, um, that relate to the dead and the idea of the thinning of the barrier between the spiritual reality and, or the, the land of the dead and land of the living. Like those, if if you're going to focus on the pagan aspects, like some, I mean, while um, say like carving a turnip was more of a pagan-ish practice, you know, us carving a pumpkin, taking out the pagan idea, we're not celebrating the same pagan deities. No, and a lot of these things, you know, whatever, you know, somebody that's uh, probably an apologist against Christianity will do, you know, Easter is a pagan holiday because it has something to do with Ishtar, and, you know, Christmas is Saturnalia and the winter solstice and blah, 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 and it's like, okay, fine, but, you know, sometimes these things can, there's a little bit of redemption of paganism, but there's also coincidence, especially when you think about Christmas, you know, it's not just necessarily a reappropriation of Saturnalia, but it's just like, um, you know, it's because, you know, Christianity has celebrated the Annunciation of uh, Mm -hmm. Gabriel announcing to Mary she'll be with a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. That happens on March 25th. What's nine months from March 25th? It's (laughs) Christmas. Come on. And so there's a lot of these things where, you know, you hear a lot of this rhetoric against, you know, Christian holidays as reappropriation, but you're like, okay, yeah, maybe there's some redemption going on here, but sometimes the church calendar is just the church calendar. And yeah. you got to know the church calendar and the Lord there before you start making these, you know, you know, whitewashing these really um, stark and, uh, you know, general claims that don't really show mm-hmm. that you've researched. Yeah. yeah. And there's a tendency within Protestant groups, some... <laughs> some Protestant groups really like to say to show we're not Catholic, mm-hmm. and so everything Catholics did is syncretism. And well, I do believe you know personally that I, I mean I've seen some syncretism in in with Catholicism and paganism, mostly in Haiti. Um, not that it's it doesn't change Catholic teaching, but that's the practice of the local culture. And I don't know what the Catholic Church. Says I mean, in Haiti about it. whatever it, it is. I mean, you know, I mean, whatever it is, and it's like, does the Catholic Church itself approve of this, or you know, there's so many dissident Catholics out there. You know, some of them wear collars, some of them don't. A lot of the laity are just, you know, so maybe they just don't. You know, Catholicism is is like you know your. Uh, it's like your football team. You don't really know what it's about. You show up sometimes, mm-hmm. but whatever. And it's just like, unfortunately, people do some stupid stuff. But since they were technically baptized <laughs> and, and, you know, are part of the team, quote unquote, you know. Um, Things you, get attributed to. To, to you, know, the, you know, the Vatican or, you know, just the perennial tradition of Catholicism. It's interesting. And again, there's... There's this idea that anything that happened in a pagan culture, therefore, is pagan and is worshipped by other gods. Um, there are elements of Christianity where they went into a place like with Ireland and said, okay, if, as long as it doesn't, it's not worshipping 
uh, another deity. It doesn't cr- contradict any teaching of Christ, of the church. You know, let them do it. Let them have their dances, you know, when, when they want to. Let them do this. Um, unfortunately, it also led to uh, some Celtic kings uh, mating with a horse, which wasn't explicitly condemned. Yeah, uh, you know, you got some trial and error going on there, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like in the, in general, you know, if you if you see if you see like you know a Celtic knot or a shamrock or something, you know, just because this once was used in a pagan culture doesn't mean you know you have to cast it out or become an iconoclast and you know destroy these statues or images because oh my gosh, this was in a pagan culture once. Yeah, so come on. <laughs> I can't believe they use that little tricycle thing. As a thing for spiritual demons, no. It's for the Trinity. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you know, we, that was adopted very, very early that Patrick and the Celtic uh, apostles basically like seized upon a lot of Celtic imagery that had triune, used it to explain the Trinity really, really easily to the, the Celts, and then used that imagery again as a, just basically completely redeemed it. Yeah, and I mean, and the redemption can be used for good. I mean, sometimes you know you look like analogies um, uh, uh, of the Trinity using a you know a shamrock. Uh, you know, sometimes they can you know depending on the apologist, they can end up turning into modalism or something. That's yeah. obviously not necessarily you know Nicene or Chalcedon orthodoxy, but you know they serve a purpose to an extent, and it's like. Don't demonize it completely because, oh my goodness, it was once used in a pagan culture. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You, a convert, a Christian, were once a pagan. You once were something that didn't serve God, but you know what? Mm-hmm. God used you. He baptized you. He saved you and is saving you and will save you. So don't say stuff about pagans. God is using you, a former pagan, to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to start, you know, demonizing everything, why don't you start demonizing yourself? Yeah. <laughs> And Christ redeems, Christ redeems the earth, the world. All right. And now just to talk about, you know, what is Halloween and what is the, how have Christians celebrated it for more than a millennia? For a while. Yeah. Um, I think first we have to realize that uh, Halloween is part of a bigger picture here than just the one day on the 31st. Again, Halloween is a contraction of um, All Hallows Even or All Hallows Een, um, you know, slang for evening, um, which turns into Halloween. Well, hallows, how comes from, you know, basically the idea of holy, um, you know, remember the, our father, Jesus says, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you know, make holy your name. Um, so something that's hallowed is holy. So another way of saying all hallows day is all saints day. Um, which is what it's often commonly called. Yeah. And so it's just, you know, All Saints Day is a feast day in the Western calendar of the church. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and if we talk about All Saints Day, it's not definitely not a pagan thing. It's remembering, you know, you know, the people who serve God and um, as Christians in this life and who you, we believe um, are with God um, face to face in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um now, this history of All Saints Day um, is, can be a little spotty. Uh, generally, there are feast days of remembering the Holy Ones. But, um, you know, sometimes, I mean, 
these feast days were kind of called for all martyrs day or whatever, because generally in the early church, it was like, if you died a martyr, you're automatically in the beatific vision sometimes. And since there were so many thousands of martyrs, you know, you don't always have their names. So like you were saying, this is, I think all saints day is the day where we remember everybody who's in heaven, not just, you know, you know, uh, St. Valentine on the 14th or St. Ignatius, October 17th or whoever it may be on the Western calendar. Um, it's just all saints day is the day where everybody gets, you know, their time in the limelight, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. For having died. Yeah. Right. So, um, Halloween and all saints day, um, it's, it's been around for a really, really long time. Um, it was first brought into October or around the same date that it is right now in the seven mid 700s to the early 1800s. Okay. So we're talking about 1200 years of church history. Right. Where we've celebrated it around I mean, that time. and so, yeah, I mean, so, you know, the Christians venerate their dead, and especially the ones they believe that are right now at the face of God. Um, but, you know, it's been around. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at a hagiography here, um, you know, a study of the saints and feast days. Um, but uh, the year 731, Pope Gregory III consecrated a chapel in St. Peter's in honor of all the saints. And then, you know developing here and there, you know, this tradition. Um, finally, it's in 837 that Gregory IV uh, greatly encourages the celebration of the feast, um, firstly in France, um, but then, you know, makes it part of the universal church. Under About the only thing that ever happened in France first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but yes, it was definitely one of those Pope Gregories that made this thing really etched into the church calendar. There were a lot of early church, like early Pope Gregories, weren't there? Gregory's, Piuses, all of that. Benedict's, yeah. Bonifaces, yeah. I got the, what, what is it? Uh, the Pius Thirteenth we talked about in our last episode? Well, there isn't a Pius Thirteenth yet. Oh, Twelfth, um, sorry. Yeah, Pius Twelfth was the World War II Pope. Pius Thirteenth, however, is the young traditional Pope in Jude Law's uh, HBO series, The uh, the Young Pope. <laughs> so if you ever get a chance to look at that series, it's 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 mostly worth watching. Uh, let's skip the, the naked scenes. Oh, yeah, the HBO fan service, yeah. yeah. Definitely that. Because HBO's got a got a nudity it up because yeah. they're HBO, dang it. But uh, yep, yep. Gregory made All Saints Day definitely a thing in the Western calendar, um, which um, is good. Um, I think customs for All Saints Day usually um, uh, just remembering the saints, um, both canonized and you know basically those who weren't canonized or. We have a good idea that they will be canonized, but definitely just all the saints are venerated on that day. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of a expectation, a foretaste of what that final eschatological reality will be, that final last reality. Um, you know, again, plugging these things, the four last things, <laughs> death, judgment, heaven, hell. Um, the one that you want is heaven, um, is to be face to face with the Holy Trinity. Um, and that's kind of what you contemplate. Uh, the vestments that day at mass mm-hmm. are white, you know, white purity, white, you know, washed in the blood of lamb, the lamb, you know, though your sins may be scarlet, they will be white as snow, general white purity, heaven, white. It's just, you know, it's, so it the, makes it really awkward when you splash <laughs> communion. Yeah, you know, the, the consecrated wine, yeah, yeah. So then your your spotless robe is now not spotless. <laughs> but um, in general, um, you know, th- th- that's what the liturgy is focusing on, um, is, you know, that great cloud of witnesses per Hebrews that are, mm-hmm. are there with us um, and um, uh, is ultimately our ultimate goal um, 
forgive that redundancy there, but the goal of the Christian is to be with God face to face. And we just recognize that in history, there have been those who have brought the presence of Jesus Christ to the earth by the way of their sanctity, their holiness. Mm -hmm. And that that's what we aspire to in the long run to be is to be with God in heaven. And of course, it's always good to reflect on uh, those Christians who came before us, you know, whether the martyrs or even, you know, our, our ancestors in the faith. And those in our family who've passed on, um, those that are saved and those that are, are redeemed and, and under grace. Um, and it, and setting apart a time is really beneficial. I know in my church tradition, we don't really have a tradition in this sense. So we don't really think about this very often, especially around Halloween, because it was seen as such a taboo in a lot of evangelical Protestant circles growing up. Um, we don't take time to reflect on, on things like, like I think we should. Um, and the, um, our, our faith is something rich. It's historical. It's deep. It's been around for a long time. Uh, just the celebration of all hollows or all saints day and, uh, hollow tide has been around for 1200 years. Um, and we've got thousands of years of church, uh, saints and men and women of God who have both lived lives of consecration and holiness and then have, have given their lives in martyrdom all the way up to the present day. You know, we have people that are getting martyred now yes. and it's, it's a wonderful thing to set apart a day or a time. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be for, you know, especially for the Protestant cause we don't hold days as much unless you're in a, in a liturgical tradition. Um, but to have a day where we set apart to think about think about our, our history and those that came before. Think about, like you were saying, Nathaniel, the great cloud of witnesses. Those that are cheering us on as we run the race because they've already done it. You know, they're already there. All right. And so All Hallows Tide is there. And so we generally have these three days, All Hallows Even, you have All Hallows, and then you have the final day, um, which is All Souls Day. Now, All Souls Day um, is definitely a Catholic distinctive, um, but it does have some meaning here, which, you know, we kind of need to flesh out. Um, Probably the best way to originate how All Souls Day came into the Western calendar is to look at the story, which we know through a saint, a French saint at that, Saint Odilo of Cluny. His monastery was, believe it or not, in Cluny, France. Okay. (laughs) Wow, really? But he's there in Cluny. I believe he was a Benedictine. If not, I'm sorry. But I believe he was a Benedictine. And so... Sometimes pilgrims uh, will go to monasteries um, to pray, to be there, to reflect, to, you know, work on, you know, their, work out their salvation with fear and trembling. Um, and part of the uh, vocation of Benedictines especially is to take in pilgrims, you know, feed mm-hmm. them, allow them the space to pray, and, you know, treat them as, you know, the stranger as Christ under their um, roof. Um, and so that's their vocation. But so there's this one pilgrim who was thrown during a storm. You know, he I don't know if he was necessarily shipwrecked, but he's there on this island and he has uh, there's like a hole to like this volcano or something. And he hears, starts hearing these voices. And to him, these voices are crying out for pain and for prayers of, you know, intercess, uh, intercession and um, 
asking um, for that. Um, and so he believes that these are the, you know, the holy souls in purgatory. Um, and so he's kind of had this vision. He's kind of shipwrecked. He's kind of, you know, dazed. And he goes to, you know, this abbot of the monastery, mm-hmm. which is St. Odilo. And he's like, uh, is there like a, f- a day where we, you know, we Christians can remember the holy dead? Um, and especially those who probably weren't the most saintly, but we know that they died you know, wanting to serve the Lord. And, and Father Odilo is like, well, okay. Um, and so All Saints Day um, is where his community especially took, you know, uh, November 1st as a time, or not November 1st, November 2nd, rather, sorry. Yeah. November 2nd is a time after All Saints Day, we remember, you know, that beatific vision, that final reality mm-hmm. um, after the last judgment especially. And then re- realize that, um, okay, what about the holy souls, those who are, in friendship with God, but not yet perfectly purified. And, you know, what the Western tradition, especially Catholicism, purgatory, um, that state of where blinded by the light, you know, God, everything that is, you know, not gold and his chap will be burned away. Um, that state, um, you know, acknowledging that reality before the last judgment that there is purification, which is the grace of uh, Christ's cross being applied there. But, uh you know, really recognizing that reality of, you know, we are needed Christ's grace and that, yes, we do pray for the dead. Um, and definitely, again, this is a Catholic distinctive. Mm-hmm. But um, it came with St. Odilo um, there in his French monastery with that, you know, dazed pilgrim, <laughs> you know, hearing the holy souls cry out for some prayers. Um, and uh, so All Souls Day started... Around then, um, basically at the turn of the century in 998, but after 1030, there's that time where it was being practiced in his monastery and then the practice spread throughout the West, um, I believe. Um, Again, if there's a discrepancy, I'm sorry. But um, uh, what does All Souls Day liturgy look like traditionally? Well, in a lot of ways, you may not see it in maybe some modern Catholic parishes, but traditionally, um, the color of funerals, the color of even Good Friday during Holy Week, um, the color of All Souls Day is black. So the vestments that the priest would wear would be black because black is the color of death. You know, people go to funerals. You know, a lot of traditions, they wear black because black reminds them of, well, something's mm-hmm. done. There's a finality to something. We need to remember our mortality. We need to remember that... Everybody's going to die. <laughs> memento mori. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that is a memento mori, a reminder of your death. Um, and that's what it is. And so during the Old Souls Day liturgy, there's definitely, um, you know, prayers for the repose of the souls of the faithful departed. Um, there's um, a practices of going through the cemeteries and, you know, praying for people there. Um, At midnight, specifically. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burn your incense and, you know, bang a gong. I don't know. Yeah. But no. I take um, salt just in case one comes up out of the grave. Right. You know? <laughs> but no, praying for 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 the dead. Um, and also just uh, remembering your own mortality and realizing that, you you know, yes, Jesus Christ uh, offers you infinite grace and mercy and all that. But there's definitely an aspect where you have to work out your salvation, again, with fear and trembling. And cooperate with God's grace. Um, ultimately, it's his grace that moves you. Ultimately, it's his grace that has the victory. But, you know, you're 
human will and your faculties are part of that victory. You're not just an automaton. You're not just, you know, some robot. God expects you to cooperate with his grace and be a saint today, starting now. Mm -hmm. Um, But All Souls Day, um, just, it's like you're going to die. You know, pray for the holy dead um, and realize that, yes, you know, purgatory is there, but the ultimate reality after the last judgment is heaven and is to be face-to-face with Christ, which we remembered on All Saints Day before. So there's those, you know, that triduum of sorts, that All Hallows Tide of these three days that is celebrated in the Western calendar. So if you didn't know about it, uh, I don't know if we've helped you or not, but at least you know a little bit more now. Yeah, it's it's something I'm learning about. I didn't even realize. I mean, I've, I've obviously heard about it somewhere, but it's not something I would pinpoint and, you know, thought about a lot. Um... I think for a Christian, you know, I don't follow the Catholic idea of purgatory. And even there, there are some uh, Protestant denominations and uh, traditions that that uh, see purgatory. I'm not sure of all of them uh, that do. I know the Anglicans believe well, in purgatory. And, it depends on what or, kind of Anglican you are. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe someone like C.S. Lewis definitely believed in a sort of purgatory, but low Anglicans... No, no way. <laughs> yeah, C.S. Lewis believed in a form of purgatory. Uh, the Great Divorce actually takes place in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I don't necessarily hold to that idea, I do think that uh, a way for uh, Protestant evangelicals that are like me, you know, a way for us to, to treat this day is to pray for all of us, you know, all, all the Christians throughout the world that are living out their salvation and and like you were saying, in fear and trembling, you know, working it out. Um, pray, f- pray for grace. Pray for strength. Pray for um, for the the work of Christ, so that when that consummation of our all of our works and all of our deeds happens in heaven, that it won't be burned up, that it won't be chaff, that in fact it will be gold and and precious jewels. I think that's you know one way for for you know us to to see that day unless you're anglican in which case you know well um <laughs> yeah there's definitely a spin on it. I, I would definitely i would definitely uh put in a plug here um i understand pur- purgatory can be a hard stumbling block for a lot of protestants but one thing i would want to put in there is please don't think purgatory is a third eternal state um yeah. which is to say a, f- a final eschatological state um, after the last judgment where there, you know, you were kind of good, you were kind of bad, but you're neither. So you're just going to stay here. That's not what purgatory is. Again, purgatory is something that happens. But again, there's something which, you know, that state of purgation in which Christ cleanses us. It's not, it's, it's not a, it's not what, you know, what the medievals would say limbo for, you know, unbaptized infants or something. No, no, purgatory is not some third middle state. It's, it's definitely, it's for the righteous. It, and it's for uh, those who ultimately will be in heaven. So I definitely, you know, again, would put that plug in there. This is what the Catholic defines purgatory as, not as this misconception and stereotype. So It's actually a third, a second dimension between heaven and earth, in which you kind of go there, you chill for a bit, you smoke some weed, and then eventually your sins are taken away. Sorry, okay, that was bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> not no. at all. No, and uh, while most Protestant, again, don't, attribute um, purgatory to a, a necessarily a state that, that takes place over whatever some spiritual uh, dimension um, towards going to heaven. We definitely do believe in the idea of being, you know, that purging, that cleansing of all of our works, that burning through fire. 
Um, we just think it happens pretty much instantaneously. Well, and again... Um, or, you know, God's going to have a big screen on you know, TV and we're going to watch our lives there. Right. In front you're, of getting clo- you're getting closer all the time to purgatory. But um, <laughs> um, again, and again, you have to realize that, you know, you know some bad apologists or maybe i don't know but the idea of time um also is like no you can't say oh i'm gonna have to earn you know sixty-five thousand years off of purgatory no 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 that's not what we're talking about if you're confounding such language it would come from um the idea of penance in the early church before the irish monks uh brought in a you know, auricular confession in which you know you did so many days penance and so when you were doing something you know, like say if I read my Bible for 30 minutes or if I did this, you know, reading that was as good as doing 30 days hard penance of saying prayer and fasting. And so there's a lot of that where that language comes in where the old system of penance gets confounded with the new system and people are like, oh my gosh, you're telling me you're spending 65,000 years in this intermediate state. It's like, no, that's not, it's not what purgatory is, but okay. It's actually 55,000 years yeah. in intermediate state. But no, but yeah. um, the idea of years and, you know, in the second life, um, we can't necessarily use human time to describe that. I mean, maybe if it helps you, okay. But again, at the same time, you know, eternity is not the same thing as here. And even after the last judgment, you know, you know, there's still some mystery here that using human language isn't adequate. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to throw some disclaimers there, um, there so we can properly identify especially that distinctive of purgatory and, you know, yeah, it's just to clear up any thing, you any, know, so there's not like, you know, automatically raising the hackles and yeah. it's like, no, that's a popish Romish doctrine in, of the devil or something weird. I don't know. No, but, I mean, it is a popish Romish doctrine, just not like of the devil. Uh, necessarily. It's a yeah. church universal, <laughs> but anyway, those are the three days. Um, to know what's going on. Um, again, uh, you know, remember your death. Remember those four last things. Because um, it's going to happen one of these yeah. days uh, to you. I uh, don't know when the end of the world is, but I know that the end of your world will come soon. Um, I don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, November, uh, in the Western tradition is... Historically, a, re- a time to remember your death, and I guess mm-hmm. in the Catholic tradition to pray for the dead the whole month long, not just Old Souls Day. Yeah, but it, it's that coming of winter, the dying of all things. Yeah, I mean, so there's you know some seasonal imagery there too. But um, yeah, that's all Hallow's Tide. All right, so you know, yeah, if you want to celebrate Halloween this year and you were afraid to do it because you thought it was all pagan or whatever, don't be afraid to celebrate it. I mean. I don't think you should necessarily dress up as a, you know, some crazy monster and go attacking your neighbors with a bloody machete. Um, but, you know, if you want to go out and trick or treat and uh, get some candy carve or pumpkin. carve a pumpkin. It's OK. As long as it's not a turnip, because it's the turnips that'll get you. But the oh, pumpkins man. are fine. <laughs> you know, just you know, if, if your conscience convicts you, follow your conscience. That's a great rule of thumb. You know, but you don't have to feel guilty celebrating Halloween um, and or calling it Halloween even. Because it's Just, All Hallows even. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. call it Samhain because that's or Savin, Savin, Sal, Sal, however the Irish say it. I don't know. I'm not Irish and I don't speak Gaelic and my attempts at it are terrible, obviously. Um, yeah. Don't don't call it the pagan names. Call it Halloween. Call it All Hallows Eve. And uh, I'll celebrate it however you see fit or don't. 
You know, and if you're Catholic, celebrate it, I guess, because yeah, it's, it's the holy day of obligation, isn't it? Um, all ha- uh, all Saints' Day and all, uh, all Souls' Day are yes. Yeah, so if you're Catholic, it, yeah, you should probably do that. If you're Protestant like me, do as your conscience sees fit and don't shame others for not doing it or for doing it. Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's that's. All right, so just going to conclude here with a sort of little benediction uh, with uh, from Scripture here, Hebrews 12. Just make it a little anglicized here. We were using the Hallowed earlier, <laughs> so we'll go with the KJV here. But uh, Hebrews 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as also unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it be rather healed. Follow peace with all men, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Right, and that's a wrap. Um, thanks for listening. I'm Elijah, and I'm a Protestant. And I'm Nathaniel, and I'm a Catholic. And we'll be back next time for you to listen to us, so you won't see us. So, so long. Bye. <laughs>